Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 62nd episode of the Manor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, are you excited to never play another game of Flesh and Blood ever again and only go play Sorcerer games for the rest of our lives? Um, I, I'm, I'm still... What? Yeah, I'm we're officially we're rebranding as a Sorcery Podcast and never touching a flesh and blood card again for the rest of our lives this this flesh and this foil heaven's claws i keep next to me because i think it's pretty it's gone it's garbage it's not even good anymore i mean it was never it was never it was never a good card it was uh, a sorcery now baby only sorcery cards on this podcast Uh, no i i like i still like flesh and blood i think that having to not having to talking about flesh and blood and feeling like we had to come up with something to talk about for the podcast for so long, kind of. Um, I guess it's just not how I usually engage with games and it's been a lot harder than I expected it to be because uh, I guess frequently when I was playing magic, when I've been playing any game, I usually play for a few months, take some time off, play for a few months, take some time off. And then just like, as my interest naturally, like, weaves in and out of the game and with flesh and blood after worlds i was kind of taking some time off but we were still making we were still like doing the podcast you know but uh, so i was like half taking time off half not so i don't know i still like flesh and blood though i just think i haven't really had a break from it since we started doing the podcast over a year ago and that's a long time to do something every week yeah absolutely my feeling is less about straight burnout of flesh and blood and just more. So before Dust Till Dawn came out, I felt like I didn't have a true like deck home or like the cards that were really speaking to me. I was kind of frustrated with the meta. I'm not the biggest fan of Lexi and her play patterns. Um, and she was, I just thought clearly the best deck, but old time was at least competitive enough to, um, play in the meta and was somewhat interesting to me as like an elemental hero i thought there were still interesting deck building decisions you could make with him and overall he was also just an extremely powerful hero um, but obviously he's living legend now and i thought okay old him's leaving but we got four heroes in dust Till dawn one of them's my favorite and i also love prism very much the new room blade might be sweet but i hate levia i was never going to be a levia gamer i'm just not i'm not a brute i'm not a brute gamer uh and so far not saying that the deck or not saying that the set is very bad but i'm not smart enough to figure out how to play any of the heroes in them so the lss developers can write lots of articles you know giving us hints or tell us that prism is you know super good but i uh, everybody i talk to um, on the team or not on the team is extremely frustrated and can't figure out this prism puzzle. And Bolton feels like he went from being a C tier to a B tier. And I think that was kind of their intention with the set. I think Brian Gottlieb on an interview recently said um, they just wanted to touch him up a bit and they didn't want the format to be all about Lumina ascensions uh, for the next, you know, foreseeable future, which is a fair take. But, um, you know, when you're designing a whole supplemental set, and especially, you know, when it's one of my personal, obviously I'm biased heroes uh, that I, I like the most, and he doesn't really still have a place in the meta overall, it feels like uh, I just can't uh, get super motivated to kind of like dig into the game like I might have been otherwise had I been more uh, accepting of the supplemental set. And Honestly, after this, I just, I wouldn't be upset if LSS just never did a supplemental set again. Like, just give us something like limited wise, limited playable to at least solve that puzzle. Me engaged with that for a while. Uh, even if I don't care about like the core, like heroes or like the card design itself. Uh, just because like when a supplemental set feel like it misses, it just feels like it's incredibly easy to check out from Flesh and Blood for a little while then at that point. Yeah, I, I think like having Monarch Draft to work on did help with that but it doesn't feel like we're solving a new puzzle it feels like we're playing catch-up which doesn't feel as cool i guess i think i've had a lot of fun working on we've been drafting monarch since may now 
Like we've been working on. Yeah, that's true. We were working on it before three months. Dawn came out. Oh gosh, it's really been that long. I still don't feel like an expert, so that's not great. But yeah, me neither, buddy. But uh, no memes. We are actually talking about sorcery cards today. We we are talking about our top ten favorite spells and top ten sites uh, from sorcery. Oh, I only I only Uh, did five sites. First, thought we were doing five sites. Oh, five sites, five sites. My bad. Uh, before you click off, before you click off, just just real quick, uh, we will go back to playing. <laughs> or we will. We're not done being a flesh and blood podcast. We'll keep making more flesh and blood content in the future. If you're a patron of ours, don't worry. Uh, Manor University won't start breaking down sorcery games. Um, we are still going to be continuing to fulfill our obligations that we're happy to do for our patrons of viewing gameplay and helping them level up. Um, their play so that that's not changing that will still be uploaded you know regularly until you know people no longer subscribe to our patreon uh really when we first started the podcast good friend of the show and good friend in real life zach bunn uh told us that it's smart that we branded it the manor cast not like the scar for a scar cast or the enlightened strike or something like that because enlightened strikes uh, a good name for a podcast i like that one you know i'm surprised there's not an enlightened strike cast um but you know when you're that like if your arsenal pass right like it'd be weird if arsenal pass started talking about sorcery all of a sudden because they're just so strictly focused in the name and content up until this point i guess we've been focused on flesh and blood exclusively but I guess that we're, we're also showing that like it's not always 100% going to be the case. Um, we have other interests in life. And if the developers in Flesh and Blood decide to pull a Wizards of the Coast and start creating collector boosters and, you know, making a high variance, not that they're saying that they're going to do that, but like if they're just like everything's about dice rolling flippy coins and, you know, these just increasing the variance to an unreasonable degree. Uh, you know, we, we're not just going to keep making content, engaging with the game, just out of some sense of obligation to it. That's just not how we want to live our lives. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying it will, but honestly, like just doing one episode on sorcery, talking about sorcery for a while, it feels like very freeing. And like knowing that we can <laughs> mean makes me feel more happy about obligations when they feel less, I don't know. Less like you have to do X thing. It's more like you're choosing to do X thing, right? Does that yeah. make sense? Maybe one day we'll do a top five Joseki and go. Do you want to do that? Do you want to do a Joseki breakdown uh, one day? So I think the issue Fuseki. with making Go content, the issue with making Go content, right, is I'm very bad at Go. You are Same. significantly better than me at Go, but still very far away from the Grandmasters and the top Go players. And there is a lot of very good go content out there the game's been out for a bazillion years and uh is there there's one good go channel that i know of of you to this day and like the 20 years i've been consuming go content there's like nick sibiki is like the one good go channel that i know of at this point there's like books and stuff right i'm sure there's yeah who's gonna read a book we're not reading books we're not nerds michael we're on the internet I read a go I think book I on my flight. Go-book. You did, and I read the whole thing. Did I give you a go book? Yeah. You did, and I read the whole thing. Nerd. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorcery cards. Let's talk about those, though. This isn't a go podcast. So This is now so, a sorcery podcast for the rest of the podcast. Real quick. Uh, sorcery is a very new game. You just We just got, or you just got your Kickstarter stuff like a month or two ago. Not that long ago. Not even. Um, yeah, maybe like three or four weeks ago. Okay. Probably three weeks. Um, alpha alpha prices on it are insane. I would not suggest buying it at Don't this buy point. Alpha. But mm. uh, beta is coming out in September, I think. Sometime soon, TM. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. that's that's uh, when you should get in if you're not in already. And then I guess to further support... Zach Bond and Team Covenant. You can go buy beta booster boxes from Team Covenant's website uh, for, I think it's like 
the $150 a box, which is a little bit more expensive than your traditional box, but you also get 39 packs in a box. Like you get like infinity, like Michael and I basically took one booster box a piece and I was able to build like three or four decks out of like one box, which is pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I think I, I built, so, I built two decks. I could definitely make a third deck. That would be solid. I didn't even touch my water cards. They couldn't figure out how to best use them. Yeah. But yeah, uh, beta's coming out soon. Uh, I was fortunate enough to hear about the game a year ago, back the Kickstarter, so I did not pay $700 a booster pack, uh, or booster pack, $700 a booster box. Uh, I paid like $100 a booster box, a little over. It was like $700 for my whole kit, but it also came with uh, uh, starter kit, uh, starter decks. So I don't know. I still have three boxes left over sitting somewhere in my collection that's just some part of it but there's more collection boxes don't plan on selling it um it's just gonna be there as a special alpha collector thing to make me happy for the rest of my life so glad i have it because the game's sweet game's a lot of fun i like playing it michael likes playing it Mm -hmm. we play it together Yes, yes, we we do do that. in person in the in the flesh and blood. <laughs> I think there might be an online thing too. I, I heard there was a way there's to play a TTS online. client for it, but yeah, it's oh, not a okay. good game for webcam because the game's played on a grid system. So like, it's so your opponent <laughs> is playing like two grids on front of them usually, and you're playing like two. It's it's uh five by four basically so you have five slots in front of you and five slots in front of your opponent has five slots like two rows of five so if you try to like move one card up and you're like okay i'm on my grid but then if you try to move one card up again your opponent can't like you're in your opponent's webcam and how do you you gotta go invade their space yeah they'll have to have a copy of the card to pull out and then you'll put yours off to the side (laughs) (laughs) no don't move my card like that michael i want to go left no other left (laughs) (laughs) My left. <laughs> okay, so uh, the decks are structured in a way that, like, you have like your spellbook deck, which is all the spells you cast, and then you have your atlas deck, which is all the lands you play. So uh, you want to start with the spellbook the cards, the gathering resource system. Yeah, yeah. So no land screw, no land flood. You just get to draw what you want when you want, whatever land or spell you want. But yeah, let's talk about the the spells. Spells are sweet. All right, so uh, I kind of have I kind of have them in order. I'm not super confident with my order, except number one. Number one, I'm very confident on. Yeah, and sure. This is actually five cards that are lumped together. It's Six. Uh, five. You know, yeah, you're five. Five. five yeah, you're right. Five. I was thinking of the the magic. There's the, but... there's the four cores and the philosopher's stone, and these are one cost terms of relic right relics yeah yeah unique that, relics yeah unique relics that uh basically give you a resource every turn and also the the four cores give you one pip of their color and the and a resource and the philosopher's stone says your first spell of each color or element or whatever the term is costs one less each turn so um yeah, they are very reminiscent of the Moxon and Magic, if you're familiar with them, where they just give you a bunch of extra mana and don't take a land yeah. drop. Basically, like if the Magic the Gathering this... Mox cost one instead of zero, right? Yeah, though there is one interesting thing about lands that are different from this game than in Magic, where you don't get a free land drop every turn. If you want to make a land drop, you're tapping your... Is it your sorcerer? Avatar. Are they all sorcerers? Your avatar. They're avatars. You're tapping yeah, your yeah. avatar to place a land, which normally you can tap your avatar to draw an atlas, an atlas card, or um, or a spell card, or a spell card if you're playing. If you're the playing sorcerer, the sorcerer, a different, yeah, avatars that do different things, or but, attack, or do a bunch of things. Yeah. So, so your land drop it basically costs you the land or the atlas card that is in your hand that you're playing. And also another card because you're not able to use your avatar to draw another card or do something else. So being able to just have this 
these cores or the philosopher's stone that cost one resource and essentially are an atlas. Not only are they letting you get ahead on mana quickly, they're also like basically plus one. You give up one resource the turn you play them for essentially an, an extra activation out of your avatar. Very powerful. Yeah, we're getting a little in the weeds here. But yeah, they provide, they basically, they're artifacts that provide you one extra little resource. Really good. Having resources and doubling up on resources for cheap. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, uh, I guess like for another <laughs> realm of context. So sorcery is like very reminiscent of like 1993 Magic the Gathering, where like they very specifically try to make it more like a more playable version of that game, like a fixed version of original, like 1993 alpha beta magic, the gathering. Um, so that's why there are these callbacks like the mocks, but they're, you know, instead of being zero, they made the mocks cost one instead. And they kind of uh, learned their like some design lessons, but there are still cards that are just clearly like, way better than anything else going in the set, but there's still some sweet callbacks to Magic the Gathering as well. And uh, I don't know if this card's on your list, but Lightning Bolt uh, is on my list. Just a good, clean uh, air card. So it's not a fire card in this game. In Magic the Gathering, uh, Lightning Bolt was was a, a mountain of the red colors, but in this game, they made Lightning Bolt air because it kind of makes sense. It comes from the sky. Lightning lightning comes from the sky. I don't know if you knew that. It does make sense. Um, there wasn't really an air so, color in Magic, though, right? Planes was kind of airy, right? Uh, uh, the winds through the planes. But yeah, this is a steel deals three damage. It costs two. It was just, but just for one, you just only need one little air threshold. But it's to a random target at a or random unit at target location. But like, it's pretty easy. Normally, avatars will kind of sit by themselves in the back lines a lot of the time. Uh, so it's pretty easy to target avatars. Um, if you can move your units out of the way before casting this card, and it's just really efficient and a way to deal direct damage. And I just think it's really powerful, but I don't know if it's on your list. Yeah, it didn't make my list mostly because I was looking at a lot of the removal spells and I'm like, I honestly don't know which one's the best. If there's like decks that are like putting like multiple, like zero power, one power guys in the same spot as their, their important guys that you actually want a lightning bolt. Like, say they're playing the Earthlands that you can pay a resource to make the 1-1 Militia guys or just any other token makers. Lightning Bolt's effectiveness gets reduced significantly. And also that three damage breakpoint is not always going to be exactly what you need. So I I think it is a very strong card and it wouldn't surprise me if it deserves a spot in the top 10 list. But I kind of didn't put any removal spells in my top 10 list or spells that are just removal spells because... I'm not confident which ones will see play the most, I guess, because it just depends okay. what you're trying to remove for which ones you play. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about it just strictly in terms of being a removal spell. The fact that this deals direct damage to, you know, the avatars, I think is in just and how hard it can be to deal like the last point of damage once you get the opponent's app. So the other interesting thing about sorcery is once you go to zero life, you don't lose the game. You just kind of chill at zero life. And your opponent has to deal one more point of damage directly to your avatar to win the game. You can just stay at zero life for forever until your opponent deals that one direct point of damage, though. And Lightning Bolt, it's not a surefire way to do it, but it is one of the few ways in the game to just deal that last point of direct damage. And like I said, normally it's not uncommon for like avatars to kind of hang out in the back lines by themselves because you don't really want to be putting them, you know, unless you're the battle mage, you're not really trying to like battle it out duke it out with you know the, the in the fray so to speak so mm-hmm. your avatar is usually just chilling yeah okay i don't think i guess i have a card that's also kind of a reference to a magic card i believe or it's very similar to a card that i have played a lot of in my cube drafting days um what, what's that Milus. it's a highland princess and um it's two cost two air threshold for one power and it says genesis which is when you play it you can search your spellbook for an artifact card that costs one or less reveal it and put it into your hand then shuffle so uh i played a lot of trinket mage and magic cube drafts three cost two two that goes in tutors for a little artifact and 
Highland Princess is very similar. And I think, again, we talked about how good Philosopher's Stone plus the cores are. This card is a, if you're a heavy air deck, this is a great way to just go get a core out of your deck. And I think it's going to be played in basically every air deck because of that. If you have it, It's unique, so you can only have one of it in your deck. Yeah. Um, So it's not probably the most super consistent effect in the game obviously but yeah obviously if you do draw it in the first few turns of the game very powerful i guess like when you draw it late though did you take a look at like any of the other one cost artifacts you can go and tutor up to see i know there's the like worst case scenario there's that one like equipment thing that just gives a unit one power but it goes back to your hand at the end of each turn like that's not a bad thing that that card's actually also on my list oh well there you go i i I think that card's quite good once we realize Spoilers. how to how it plays, so yeah. <laughs> well, we, I, we know how it plays now because now that I know that you can summon artifacts directly into people's hands, that card makes a lot more sense. I thought you had to spend a whole action picking up artifacts. I thought you summon them to the ground, and then you had to go like walk over and pick it up, and then now they're holding the artifact. And if that's the case, the card's very bad. But uh, when if that's not the case, then the card's very good. Yeah. So I'll just talk about it now since we're already talking about it. Uh, it's called, sure. oh gosh, Taurus Hammer Trinket. I think that's how you pronounce this. And it just says, it costs one, it's a relic. Uh, and it says the bear has plus one power. And at the end of the turn, at the end of your turn, return it to its owner's hand. So you pay one, you put this on a unit. It has plus one power for the turn. It goes and fights something with that plus one power. And then it comes back to your hand. Um, have you, are you familiar with the card Rancor? Yeah, of course. Okay. This very similar to Rancor, where you're putting it on your guy, you're getting the value out it's of it. It's a Boggle staple. You... <laughs> I didn't know you were a Boggles guy. <laughs> I know of Boggle. Oh, I you, played you Magic play, together play for like a you, decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, 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 sure. I watched okay. the Reduke for Shahar Shenhar World sure, Championship. Sure, sure. That's a classic. Okay, but, but you put this on your guy, you go, you hit the guy, this goes back to your hand. It's a great mana sink. You can always just spend one resource to get one more power on your guy. It helps you hit breakpoints to kill important units and you don't have any risk of losing it because it's never going to be on the battlefield when your opponent has priority to kill it. You just always put it on your guy and then your turn is going to come back to your hands. So no, no, so, no risk with this card. Here's an interesting question that I don't know the answer to that we might have to look up though. So let's say I have a three, three or three power guy and you have a three power guy. You put your trinket hammer tour artifact thing on your 3-3, three, three, turn into a 4-4, four, four. you attack my 3-3. Three, three. Okay, cool. My 3-3 three, three dies. And a turn, the hammer goes back to your hand. Does your 3-3 three, three have marked with 3 damage on it and die too? Oh gosh, if that, if that is how this works, this card's a lot worse than I thought it was. But I could see I that just, being the case. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a, yeah, I'm that's, not that's, a sorcery That's a judge. good rules question. I, I don't know if there are sorcery judges at this point, but... Um, that would be a good one to find out the answer to, because I think I just look in this the card will see. <laughs> sure, sure. I think this card will see. Uh, well, I, I plan to put it in a decent amount of my decks. I think it's quite quite powerful, so I think it'll see a decent sure. amount of play, and that interaction will matter a lot. Because if it does, if your creature does die, then this card maybe is reasonably worse than I thought it was. That's fair. But Michael, but, what are you going to put it on when we when I play? my next card on my list though you're not gonna have any guys to put it on when What's i play your next card wrath of the sea what's this card do which is like wrath of god i played it against you it's a seven a cost uh oh. magic spell where that floods all sites adjacent to a body of water that this turn then submerge then submerge all minions and artifacts on water so it just it, it drowns everything so uh, what's interesting about sorcery is that like the water sites you can go below the water or you can be above the water but if you're below the water and you don't have the keyword some submerge your units drown but if you're playing a water deck and you got submergible little fishy merfolky kind of sharkies or there's all kinds of water monsters in the game uh then they just chill under the water and they're, they're just chilling there so you get to play this wrath spell and all of your water guys are like, okay, cool. We're just hanging out, having a grand old time swimming in the sea. And all of your guys are like, no, I'm drowning. And then I, you don't have any guys to summon your one, one rancor on anymore. So I win. 
Yeah, I, I think the card is strong. Um, I could also just put the the one one rancor in my water deck that has some guys that just have submerged of their own. Mm. So when you submerge my guys, they're like, all right, I'm just chilling under the water now. You know, I like I said, I haven't mm. built a water deck yet. The card seems uh, of dubious effectiveness against a fellow water deck. So sideboards are four, right? Fair. It also yeah. costs seven. Mana, which is a lot of mana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fine though. <laughs> I might be a little bit cool of a timmy with some of my cards, but like I like it. I like the theme of it. I think, the, I think it's I like it's powerful, but and it's not even the best wrath in the set. I just wanted to talk about it first because like the best wrath in the set is just the guy, right? Poor the guy. death death dealer. That I guess he's I also just guys. that's the uh, seven seven cost red red Genesis kill all of their minions. Just just a unique mortal guy. Oh, that guy seems sick with this with a scythe on a big war horse. He costs seven. He has four power himself. That card's like the real, like sweeper, like wrath of God, just kill everything spell on my, on my list. But I don't want to include wrath of the sea got you because uh, it's, it, it has the or it's, wrath. It's, of sea because it's a heart. wrath. It's a wrath. You know, it's it calls mm-hmm. back to magic. It has the wrath in the name. It has to be good. I'm going to do a little spoiler. The most expensive card on my list costs four resources, four mana. Yeah. See, I haven't played enough sorcery. <laughs> I don't know if like you're supposed to get to seven or not. You know, I want to because, you know, I just want to sit here and be my toxic control mage self and just, you know, do nothing, kill all your stuff, play my removal spells, play my lands, draw a bunch of cards you know, there's no. They need to put counter spells in this game. When they come out with counter spells in this game, phew, mwah, chef's kiss on your opponent's turn. Perfect Top game. Your avatar counter your spell. Well, there's already a card you can cast on your opponent's turn. Really? Yeah, dodge roll. It costs zero. Right. It has two water threshold, and basically, when a unit's declared as an attacker, you can play dodge roll, and as after the, the attack's been declared, and your unit rolls to a site adjacent to it and innovates the attack. That's kind of cool. I didn't know about that card. It's not on my list, yeah. I guess. But <laughs> cool. So what is a card on your list then? I just rattled off two two wrath spells on mine because I like killing all, all right, the things. So. But what do you, so what are like you doing cheap, then? Efficient, cheap, Mr. Efficient. efficient creatures. I like cheap, efficient mm-hmm, creatures mm-hmm. that do powerful things. So uh, next yeah. card on my list is Vile Imp. It costs two. It has two power. It takes one red threshold, one fire threshold. And it says Genesis. You may deal two damage to target adjacent unit. And that's pretty good. Two two costs, two power, and deal two to something. It, a lot of the time, it'll just kill another unit. Um, you can combine it with Deserts, which are the main fire land that to deal one damage plus two with this is three damage to kill something bigger. And... At worst, it's just a two for two, which is like not something you're happy to be playing, but it's not embarrassing. So I think Vile Imp, very strong. Uh, all my fire decks are going to have four of these guys. They're they're very good. Sure. I guess I can get to my first efficient card then. Mr. Land Surveyor, which is just, it's a two cost, one earth threshold, one power. So not not a two, two, but it's Genesis Draw Site. Drawing cards are sweet. So it's just a guy that gets to chill out on the battlefield, draws you an extra site, helps you, you know, be a little bit efficient, place to the board. You want your sites to play your long, grindy control strategies for your Rathases and your, you know, board wipes and your control guys. So you want to be drawing sites, but you don't want to spend your whole, you know, draw per turn drawing a site. You want to draw your sweet spells to control the thing. So you need your land surveyors to come and be efficient little, little duders and draw your sites for you. Yeah, I'm- the the one one or the one power guy can do a lot of useful things. You can save your save your more important minions from attacks from other things. They can jump in front of it. And then also we talked about lightning bolt earlier. Having this guy on another spot with the card you actually want to kill with lightning bolt is really annoying because you don't want to just like take your fifty fifty and potentially kill a land land surveyor instead of the real card you want to kill. Is this card Good not card. on your list? Uh so I almost put it on the list and then I put a card that I think is probably a little bit better but very similar i put frontier settlers on my list which take yeah two yeah, earth yeah. Pips, i think they're, so they're, they're less comparable. Mm-hmm. i think they're the frontier settlers you can't really splash you have to be pretty heavily committed to earth but i think frontier settlers is better because um 
So I'll just read what they do first. They're two cost, two earth, two earth threshold for a one power guy. And it says tap, reveal the topmost site of your Atlas play adjacent to frontier settlers, if able, and they move there, they lose his ability. So if you play this frontier settlers and they don't die, then the next turn you can tap them to essentially put the top Atlas card, top site card of your Atlas deck into play. So this on top of getting you the extra site card, it's also putting it into play, which is keeping your avatar from having to tap. The downside is sure, sure. it's double earth and it has to survive a full turn before you're able to do that. But very powerful to essentially just get an extra land in play, a uh, site in play. And you also get this one power guy attached to it. If, if it can live that turn, it's a great card. Very powerful. Yeah, it sounds like we're on the same page. I didn't want to put that one on plus land surveyors because I'm like, you don't want to put both. And then like the other one, <laughs> uh, what's that one card? The the chicks that just provide uh, one generic resource when they're chilling out on the battlefield. What are those ones? You know what I'm talking oh, about? You know those ones? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know their name because they're, they're not on my list. But I'm I, looking it up. It's like Dryads, something Dryads. Yeah, I'll... I'll Alvaline, Avalin, Avalin Dryads. We're going with that one. Yeah, uh, they're they just, two cost, single earth. One earth. They just provide one generic resource as long as they're chilling on the battlefield. There's a bunch of good little yeah. two cost earth rampy spells, but like, uh, I don't know. I thought land surveyors was just kind of the most flexible while being still a very powerful effect. So, and who knows? Maybe yeah. the top spell of your site, if you're playing some things like sites with like specific effects, you might not want to put it directly into play. Uh, like, cause there's our sites, if once we talk to our sites that have like, you know, Genesis abilities or things like that, or that want to be put um, in specific locations. And if they are put into, uh, you know, put into play off lands, not land survey or whatever the card you just named was, Frontier settlers. and they don't, and it's not Frontier Settlers and it's not meeting that like location requirement, then like you could just like, kill your own card and <laughs> waste a whole turn cycle right yeah you you do get to see you do get to decide what site or what like space to put it on after tapping the frontier settlers it just has to be adjacent to him so hopefully right. if you have cards in that your deck you have ways to put it in a spot that's going to be legal and not just sinkhole your own site yeah new new <laughs> terminology <laughs> new and old i guess new and old yeah. Okay. Give me another card, buddy. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm tired of I'm tired of these Earth Earth Two Earth Sight guys. I want. All I, want right. I got spicier. another. I got another boring, efficient guy. Oh no. Okay. Something spicy. Oh. All right. Here's my spicy something card. Something spicy. Uh, assorted animals. It's an X spell. It's double Earth, and it says search your spellbook for different beasts with combined mana cost of X or less. Reveal them and put them into your hand. Shuffle your spellbook. So, this card is. Mostly on my list because it's flexible and powerful or flexible X spells are in my magic experience have been very powerful. Um, it's not a big requirement to have a few different beasts in your deck. And a lot of the beasts are quite good. And then you could also just. Are you sure about um, that? What be, What's a good beast? Name me a good beast here, buddy. I want to know what you're tutoring with this guy. I, the, the, the one cost for two power guys are. Nice to be able to get. You can include. You're getting one boars. You're tutoring boars. Your boars are part of your assorted animals. Come on, come on. You don't want to tutor um, your the, boars. The one spider that goes underground and disables anything above it is tutorable off this. Um, oh yeah, that guy's good. Root spider. Yeah, he didn't make my I'm list, down, but I think I'm, down to, I'm down to. Um, I'm to oh, you can just you water. can tutor infinite gray wolves. You could put all the gray wolves in your deck, and then you could tutor up like seventeen gray wolves. Once you get to or uh-huh. seven gray wolves, once you get to seven resources and then play out all your gray wolves and then your gray wolves are all eight eights. I see what you're doing here, Michael. That's, going that's, deep that's, on the that's gray not, wolves. That's not the line I'm looking for. Um, <laughs> water has the, uh, the beast, the frog. That's a three cost for three power. That's also not on my list, but three cost, three power that basically swallows something when it enters the battlefield. It swallows it's an, an enemy on its spot. On a, on a, it's, it's oblivion. Frog. Yeah. It's a fiend hunter. For, yeah. on a three three for yeah, three so or a three for three mm-hmm. so i think it's i think it's pretty strong and then like just like the the flexibility of this card the fact that you're getting card advantage if you you can even get card advantage if you pay it for two and get two one cost two power guys of different um each each 
each element has a one. Oh, you can get sacred scarabs off this card. I'm in. So there's, there's just a lot of good beasts. And the fact that you can get like three cards for one card, if you draw some, if you want to spend three resources to draw three, one cost beasts, then you can, if it's turn 10 and the game's going forever, you can get a four cost and a one cost and a two cost or something. Um, I don't know. You can just, it's, it's very hard to find good, good real sources of card advantage in this game. And I think this being able to be something that you can just spend one resource to get a one drop, spend two resources to get two one drops or spend six resources to get a very impactful guy and a one drop or just a very impactful guy or something. Like, I I think this card's flexible and powerful. It is double earth, but yeah, strong card. I think it'll be good. Yeah. Sorry. I was just mesmerized. I was looking at all the beasts and the first beast that pops up since in alphabetical order is a cursed albatross. It's just like an angry looking seagull mean mugging some, some guys on a ship. And I'm like, that's one (laughs) angry albatross. <laughs> All right, give me another card. That Albatross isn't on my top ten though. We can talk about something else. Uh okay. but you know, we, 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 we here's another cheap efficient spell. You like cheap efficient spells that I are do. really good I and do. do really powerful things. Boy, have I got a card for you, Michael. Wall of Ice. Hit me. Wall of Ice <laughs> is a two cost aura. <laughs> That you conjure atop a border of a site you control, and units can't traverse wall of ice on the ground. So you got this wall of ice, and so what you do is you have your avatar, and then you put a wall of ice in front of you, and then the guys can't come and attack you on the ground. They gotta they gotta come below you, and attacking below you takes so much more time and effort and resources. So you have all this time to buy and space out, so you can wrath of the sea god. So you need your so wall of ice. Yeah, that card power. Uh, somehow did not make my list. I, I don't know how. <laughs> it's going to be a staple. Every water deck's going to want four wall of ice. Hmm. Hmm. I am suspicious of this. You cast three All wall right. of ice and, you're, and you wall yourself in and then you're safe. Nothing can get you on the ground. Yeah, except the flying guys, the, under, the submerged guys, the... The guys that jump from the back wall to the other side of the field. Guys that can jump over things. <laughs> nothing nothing can get you. Nothing can get you. No, you're safe. Um, fireballs. <laughs> you spent three turns setting up a wall of ice. And I just put like a, a ranged unit on the other side of your wall of ice. <laughs> <laughs> There's just no no answers. None at all. There's no, no way you can do this. Well, you put a wall of ice guys, in front of your wall of ice. So they can't, they can't get to the square in front oh, yeah, of your guy sure, either. Sure. Okay, so you have three wall of ices mm-hmm. blocking off. Yeah, your yeah, guy. yeah. You create like a maze. And then you have you, you one use the, wall use of them ice to, here. Uh-huh. Use them to obfuscate the battlefield. I don't, I don't think four is enough for all the things you're trying to wall up. No, I think, I think you're just not using your uh, imagination. Okay. You're too walled off. All right. Next card. I got Faye Changeling. <laughs> Three cost, one air threshold for one power. Maybe summoned to any site. Genesis, you may return a minion here to its owner's hand. So, card is interesting and flexible. I love flexible things. You can put it wherever you want. Bounce anything, any minion. Um, if your opponent spends six mana to play some big six cost guy that does that does something scary, if it stays around, you just changing it back to their hand. Next turn, they'll try again, but you're going to be making advantage you're spending three mana to answer their six mana play and you're also getting a one power guy out of the deal um maybe someone to any site very flexible you can bounce anything and then you could also just recur your own enter the battlefield abilities um or your own genesis abilities so there's a lot of units on our list with strong genesis abilities we i think most of the cards on my list have a genesis oh. ability and being able I to like pick those card. back up and play them again huh this card just breaks my heart did you look at the art of this card? This card is so sad. Look at the art on this card. I can't. What? Is so it the, the fairies art on this taking card their baby is, away? It, yeah, and then there's a they they took the real child baby. It's skittering through the window in the background, being carried away by this like weird ghosty black thing. And then there's the changeling baby that they swapped it with in the crib. And I'm like, no, don't take my baby. I like my baby. I don't want a changeling baby. <laughs> Leave my baby. Uh-huh. What do you think? What do you think about this card? 
I want to go give Austin a hug. That's what I think. <laughs> okay. He, he's sleeping now. Are you going to? He's sleeping yeah, now. Yeah, he's not being changed. Hopefully, he's not being changed yeah. as we speak. I'm oh, the, very upset. The Faye the are going to get him. Watch out. The, the, <laughs> I think they usually is swap him before his age. Sorry. Maybe. He's like, Makes sense. <laughs> You're the Faye changing about. expert here. I'm the apprentice wizard expert, which is, you know, the instead of water, it's uh three cost, one power air guy. Uh he's a spellcaster, which, you know, spellcasters are interesting because usually only your av- your avatar itself can cast spells, but there are spells in the game that are like within two steps of this unit or within a specific range, or they care about like proximity on like the battlefield. And as we were talking to earlier, you don't want your avatar going and mucking around on the battlefield to cast these spells. So you'll want to summon spellcasters sometimes if you have like extremely powerful spells. So I think Apprentice Wizard is just like the best spellcaster like unit, just because like he's cheap, costs three, and then he draws a spell when he he just replaces himself. So it's just like efficient, interesting, cool. I like that guy. And uh, when you're playing Earth or Air specifically, you can play that other site. Uh, there's lots of like protective air sites that are like uh, when uh, units can't traverse this on the ground, the pit or the lone step or whatever, when there's a unit here, other units can't enter it. So if you just summon him on top of the step, like you don't have to worry about getting ambushed because uh, since he has one power, he's kind of vulnerable. But as long as you can protect him, spellcasters can do some pretty powerful things. And I like drawing cards. Checks all my boxes. Yep. You made my list too. I think he's a very good card. Just spellcaster draw a card you said it all good card three costs yeah, a little dude. expensive but does the things that you need to do can i net rattle off I another got, card that i'm positive major list i only got two cards left so go for it yeah one of them's clamor of harpies i knew that much <laughs> it is it is the card sick you, you talk about clamor of harpies though okay so clamor of harpies is four cost single fire threshold for three power airborne unit with Genesis, teleport target weaker minion to this location. Clamor of Harpies may strike it. So the main thing this does is it kills anything that they have in play that has two or one power or zero, I guess, if you want to kill a zero power for some reason. But you put this down, it kills something, and then you have a three power airborne unit, which is a pretty nice unit. Like three power airborne means it can move diagonally. can't be attacked by ground units if they're not ranged. Just, um, yeah, very good. Very efficient. Four cost is one of the higher cost cards on my list, but yeah, it's just very, very efficient being able to kill anything. It also doesn't have to, it doesn't have not kill anything, kill weak things in any weaker location. Things. So it doesn't have to be, yeah, weaker things. It doesn't have to be like an apprentice wizard. Pull them in. Yeah, you just play this, kill their apprentice wizard, play this, kill their frontier settlers. That's big. Ooh. There's a, and then even just like killing some random two power thing that's like not really doing anything, just like spending four resources, four mana. Is it mana? It's mana, right? I think it's mana in this game. I don't know. Four resources, sure. four things to play your clamor of harpies and have a three power airborne thing and also take a two power guy up there's off the board. Great unit. Um, I think fire has some very strong units that also function as removal spells as well. So. I, yeah. And I also knew this card would make your list because there's some boobies on it. You see some harpy boobies on it. This is an adult-themed game, so sometimes there's boobies. And you can see some... There's two harpies chilling in there. And some guy... I thought the guy was naked because, you know, they're harpies. They're trying to seduce men and lure them to their deaths, you know, provocatively. I think that's sirens, uh, not harpies. Yeah, I think he's wearing... I think. No, harpies do that too. S- sirens... Or do harpies... I know sirens do that, but I thought harpies also, you know, that's why my Valentine played harpies and harpies feather duster. Then she's because she was the seductive. I, okay. I, I did not, I am not familiar with harpies doing that, but if you say so, you're, I'm sure you're more knowledgeable on harpies than me. Harpy mythology, half human, half bird. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> priorities. 
Yeah, this is very important now. This is uh, this is an important virtue in life that I have to teach you and all, my, my son is when you don't know something, you don't just go like, oh, well, I don't know this thing. I'm going to continue that. No, you have to look it up. You have to know. Are harpies, harpies mm-hmm. good or evil? Uh, they are neither good nor evil. They are just embodiments of the destructor of destructive nature of the wind and are considered spirits rather than true flesh and blood. Okay. Here we go. This is the real Google search that will, you know, clear things up. Harpy mythology, sexuality. Harpy represents the horrors of unrestrained female agency, sexuality, and ambition. The horrors. Oh, there we no. go. Yeah. I don't think that is luring anyone to their death. All right. So what's your, what other cards you got? How many cards you got left? Uh, you got the, uh, here, the, uh, one card, two cards, two cards. All right. I only got one. So do one of yours. Okay. While we're on the booby train, we got Cortesan ties. She's seducing, she's seducing people. She's yeah. Cortesan ties. Cortesan ties. I don't know how you pronounce this word. I'm not smart enough to know how to pronounce this yet. Uh, it's a five cost for a zero power uh, minion. So very powerful. You know, you always want to spend zero cost, uh, zero power minions for five. Genesis, during their next turn, each player is controlled by the previous one. So how this card works, as I looked it up too, is that I control your next turn, but then you control my next turn. But mm-hmm. what you do is you want to like play this out in an aggressive like strategy, do all your aggressive things on your fire thing, have like no real like resources in your hand or things that your opponent can really do to mess you up you play this card and then you just make all you make all the decisions you get to decide what's tapped and what's not and like get to get the first take over your opponent's turn cycle and just completely ruin the game and win the game on the spot i imagine lots of times when you cast this card so seems good mind slaver powerful effect yeah i i could see this being a pretty potent finisher if uh Especially like if you need, if I guess you don't really need help killing them if they're on death door and you're fire, you just like shoot some fire spell at their guy. But if or you just make their avatar suicide them. themselves. Yeah, they have their avatar attack one of their own units. Yeah, <laughs> pretty good. Uh, I I think this card is strong. I didn't want to put it on my list, stop playing with it, but it does seem really strong. You get to control when you, like when you play this one, it'll be yeah. really good to mess up your opponent's turn. And when it won't be that bad that they mess up yours. A lot of the time when you play this, I imagine you'll just have their guys attack their other guys and just end up killing a bunch of their own guys. Maybe point a removal spell at their own guy too. Seems, seems solid. seems like a good card. Um, yeah, it's, I think it might be tough to figure out how to make sure it's not also hurting you because they can also just make all of your guys fight your own guys and waste your hand and stuff. But yeah, we'll see. I it's a cool effect, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, last card. Go. I got Highland Falconer. Two cost, one power, <sighs> single air threshold. Not your card. What? What? This is such a Michael Hamilton card. What? It's just value. Genesis. You may search your yeah. hand and spellbook for a beast with airborne and mana cost two or less and summon it here. Shuffle if needed. So this is just an efficient guy. You're going to spend two resources. You're going to get a one power guy and a two power flyer because two power airborne unit. So three power, two cost, one of it's airborne. Great. Perfect. Love this guy. Just an efficient two drop. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like putting, it's like saying Wounded Bull is one of the top 10 most powerful cards in Welcome to Wraith. No, it's like saying Scar for a Scar is one of the t- top ten most powerful cards in Warcraft, with, or Sink Blow, or Snatch. No, this is this, is this is this is a this is a Wounded Bull more than a Scar for a Scar. No, this is not a Wounded Bull. This is like a Belittle Minnowism. You need you need the Airborne guy. You go get your. You this go is like get your this Minnowism is like this is like a Nimble two, Strike. Two I'll give you. A, I'll, I'll upgrade you to a Nimble Strike. <laughs> hmm. I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's like a Belittle Minnowism. Just boom. Yeah. Value efficiency. My last card is Hounds of Omdaros. It's just a five cost, two air threshold, four power guy. It's got all the keywords. It's got all of them. It's got airborne, burrowing, submerge, void walk, nearby enemies, permanently use stealth. It just is just like you can't you can't drown it, you can't bury it, you can't 
you can't do any of like the efficient removal spells on it really it's a beast so i don't think there's like you can't exorcism it or use like the like targeted or like the um, mortality it like for the sideboard cards and those effects uh you can't target it with non-airborne units because it's airborne it just it's just super versatile reasonably powerful uh, it seems like a great like finisher in a lot of like mid range or like aggressive strategies. Uh, card just seems sick. It just seems like one of the best creatures just like on rate in the game. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I think when you look at your more expensive creatures that are costing like five and upwards, they don't have an end of the battlefield ability. They need to be hard to kill, and this guy definitely fits that hard to kill category. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a bit of a Timmy with some of my cards. I'll probably admit that much as much. But like yeah, it's cool. Plus it's like a ghost guy with assorted animals. Ooh, yeah. If you spend five resources on your assorted animals, you can tutor them, sure. What a good deal. Yeah. You know what I also think we might have underrated a bunch? Because now they must put a bunch of like artifacts and like there's a bunch of like weird monuments in this game like there's like uh i guess they they fix the cost on like this game's what's the one that like it's the magic card that causes zero and gives you two resources then you flip a coin to take two damage or whatever um mana vault mana mana vault's the one that you tap and untap yeah I don't know, but there's like Black Obelisk, which at the beginning of your turn, it gives you two generic resources, but you lose two life each turn. But so it's just like a ramp card that costs you life. Yeah, I I I think looking at the game, I couldn't find enough support for like to warrant doing that kind of thing. But I am definitely not a sorcery expert and there's I still learn it. So it wouldn't surprise me that card ends up good. But right now. I did not see it getting there. I opened one of those in my box. And then my, I was trying to figure out how to include it in my deck. My last auto mention would probably be Landeed. Just like stealing one of your opponent's sites seems pretty sweet. Wait, what does Landeed do? Bear has you control the site. So you, you normally you probably have like a stealth guy. You summon the Landeed and your stealth guy. Your stealth guy holds up this piece of paper and says, Sir, I own this property. It is mine now. <laughs> and then you get all the resources well, and stealth. stuff like that. For, yeah. Seems good. That seems like a powerful uh, combination. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know how good like summoning artifacts like that is. And then it's like if they kill your guy and then they pick up the land deed and then they go to your site, then they say, sir, actually this piece of paper says I own this land. And then you have to give them one. And be like, I don't know. <laughs> Property law is difficult. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right you want to talk Let's about, talk about sites. Uh, sites yeah all right i'm gonna give do my boring one first i think the rest are not boring you said give you a second sure. oh yeah go for it all right so i got i just called them the dual lands there's six sites that give both or give two threshold colors have no downside they're just lands that produce two colors. They have threshold. no upside. Two two colors of threshold is the upside. Um, if you're playing a two or even a three, sorry, element, not color, element of threshold. If you're playing a two or even a three element deck, you're going to want these uh, dual sites to fix your threshold requirements and allow you to cast some of the powerful double and triple threshold spells of the different types. And also just like make you consistently have both resources on turn one or turn two when you need them. So, yeah, I think they're going to be good. And also, they let you function off a lower uh, a lower site count or, like, having less sites in play because they're just giving you their threshold needs. You can have, like, a dual land and a, a, dual land, a couple random lands. And then if your, uh, what are they called? If your cores are off color, then you'll still be able to off type you'll still be able to cast your spells. So I think they're good. I think they're solid. I think most two and three color decks will play some number of them. Yeah. I didn't include them because they're boring. 
and I'm not I'm not a boring <laughs> kind of guy. I'm an exciting, flashy kind of guy, and I don't think it gets much more exciting or flashier, especially the art on this card. It's fucking bananas. Uh, River of Flame. It's a fire spellcaster on your site, so this this site can just shoot fireballs wherever it wants. It can shoot explosiony things. It can shoot whatever fire spell it wants because it's a spellcaster land. Look at those flames. They got angry, mean faces. They're casting spells. Card six. I think every fire deck with fire spells is going to play this card. It's great. It's unique. You can only play one, but. We talk, when you when you were talking about Apprentice Wizard, you said you you thought it was the best spellcaster unit, and I'm like, okay, I will. Allow yeah, that's why I, I said think that. this is just the yeah. best spellcaster yeah, yeah. in the game. <laughs> Great card, mm-hmm. very good. I, I I specifically made that designation because of this card, so I was like, hmm. I'm glad we were on the same page. Mm-hmm. All right, you want to go again? What about Vesuvius? <laughs> you got you got Vesuvius on yours. Which we're talking about no, Firelands. We'll just follow it up with Vesuvius. Uh, three Fire Threshold Sacrifice Vesuvius, each occupying. Uh, each unit occupying nearby sites takes three damages. Boom, blow it no up. So if anything's on Vesuvius, seems, seems good. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. So I deals land, deals a bunch of damage, kills a bunch of stuff. Util- it's a good utility land. Yeah, you you lose your land when you do it, so not ideal that you're losing your land, but or your site, but. Yeah, at the right time, killing a bunch of things. And also just like your opponent kind of has to play around this the whole game if they're like, well, if I put these three things here, you're going to blow it up. And it Especially if it's like so- your first land drop or whatever, like right in front of you or second one, I should, because your first one has to go under you. So your second one right in front of you. It seems like, like having it like a central location seems interesting. Yeah, if they're wanting to attack you, then trying to get through this thing is going to be a pain. And also just like, you have to not commit like you, you want to, you want to never be in a spot where they're going to blow you out with it. And I think that will be tough to do sometimes. So, <laughs> blow you <yeah>. out. <laughs> because, you know, I see what you're saying. I definitely was trying to make that joke. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My, my next card, I think this might be on your list as well, but I think this card's very powerful. Um, great wall. It says stops units from entering. Uh, wait, sorry. Great wall. Enemy ground minions can't move through the site's top border. It's a wall of ice on a land. I don't know. Like, that's that's much more efficient than wall of ice. If you're just making your land drop and it's stopping them from entering instead of spending two resources and a card, I it's it's less flexible than wall of ice because like you have to put the land down wherever you want the wall of ice to be, the site. But it's it's a powerful effect. And it says specifically enemy minions. So your guys can just move through the wall you want, which is also going to be like really powerful for retreating, attacking. Um, I also th- could definitely see putting a range guy behind this and then they have to try to walk all the way around and get to your range guy. And then like, you're just going to shoot them. It's going to be great. It's a very good defensive land. It doesn't produce any threshold, which is not, um, that's not ideal, but that's why you want the dual lands and the other lands and to, the dual lands and make sure you have a good counter threshold producing lands to support these um, lands that don't produce any threshold, but you'll still get your one resource every turn. I think it's mana. Don't know what it's called actually. And yeah, I think this card's great. Yeah. Agreed. It's on my list. Okay. Wall of Ice Sight made your list. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, I imagine this site, Sinkhole, do you have the one that blows up? Uh, sacrifice sinkhole destroy nearby site yeah i i this was the one i'm like least confident on i think i think it's good but this card was, was so annoying when one. you played it against me like though like because like basically you played it as your second lane drop right in that middle area and then i played one right in front of it because i was like oh i don't want michael encroaching on my stuff and then you sacrificed your sinkhole blowing up my land and then it dropped me back down to one resource and then I have basically, and since you don't control rubble, so I can't like summon on the sides of that rubble, but you got to like summon something next to your sinkhole first. It was just like a huge tempo, like blowout play. I felt like in that game, it was very good. And uh, I don't know, it seemed very powerful. Yeah. I, I wonder if the counterplay is just like not build forward and let your opponent encroach on you and just build to the side a little bit. Yeah, but building to the side so lame. Nobody wants to build to the side. You want to go forward. You want to go in the middle and fight. You got to defend your territory. You don't want your opponent just summoning things right on top of your guy. That's like, that's not what you want. 
I feel like there's like something going on where you're, you're like very excited to cast wall of ice and make it so people can't cross an area, but you're like, let me build this bridge for you to cross into my area. Yeah, because I want my guys to swim under the wall of ice. <laughs> you know, because like, you guys can't come at me because I'm you're not playing water. I'm the water guy. So then, then I swim under my wall of ice and get to your guy and come up and like, I did it. Okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure, These are the sure. tactics you got to think about in sorcery, Michael. This isn't flesh and blood. You got to think. You got to think like a fish. Okay. So my last site <laughs> is uh, Pillar of Zeros, 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 something Ros. Uh, it's a unique site. It has Earth Threshold, and it says Genesis: Banish all dead minions, and you heal one life for each. So when you play this, everything. All, or all minions and all graveyards, discard piles, whatever it's called, gets banished, which is not the important part of this card. The heal one life for, well, it might be the important part of the card in some spots, but that plus the healing one life for each minion that, that, that you banish means you just have a land that's producing threshold for you. And at some point in the game can heal you five, six, maybe even more life. And that's really good. It also just like passively shuts off like any recursion plans or anything they want to get any minions they want to get back from there graveyard i i think this is a pretty good land and yeah passive life gain on a land and also graveyard hate on a site hmm? not a land that's great that's it did it make your list no me being the toxic control gamer that i am my last one that i wanted to put on my list was roots of you which is it's just a unique site uh when roots of you are destroyed destroy everything just everything, just all the sites, all the minions, all the artifacts, all the monuments, all the auras. Just if it's all, if it's a thing, destroy it. What about Hell avatars? Hell yeah, I mean, avatars aren't avatars, things. Avatars. No, avatars still around. <laughs> okay, but everything turns to rubble. So, right, everything turns to rubble, or do you destroy <laughs> the rubble also? No, when sites are destroyed, they turn into rubble. Rubber. It's when they're banished, they they turn into the void or whatever. Okay, okay, makes sense. This doesn't say banish everything. It said banish everything. This card would be like yeah, everything I want to be doing in the game then, because that's basically like resetting <laughs> the game completely, which is insanely toxic. This game, this card is just like mildly toxic when you do the thing. But like, if it was like that yeah. insanely toxic, I would be all about that card. It's interesting that it's like kind of easy to destroy this too. You just like you play this the next turn, you sinkhole it. Boom. Mm-hmm. Get it there's, card, there. there's also, uh, if you're playing fire things or things, there's also cards that destroy sites. So, yeah. Okay. Speed card. Probably the best site this in the game fun. to craterize. I don't know what craterize does. It's like one that does, like, the, in the entire grid of the board, it deals damage, but, like, the first grid deals 20 damage or whatever. It's a nine cost fire spell. If you're if you're successfully casting a nine cost fire spell, nine cost spell of any kind, eight cost, and you aren't winning cost. the game, you know, ten damage in the middle, ten damage in the middle square. There. Okay. If if you aren't winning the game when you're casting your eight cost, I am concerned. Resetting the game back to neutral. This sounds like ulting a Karn when you're like a million miles ahead in a game. Yeah, and <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorcery sweet when are we playing sorcery next when, when are we when are we doing that thing uh i don't know maybe thursday evening or if i come in right now what are you doing right after that i'll turn off the podcast i'll once again get zero hours of sleep tonight and we'll just play sorcery no you should sleep you should sleep i don't need to sleep they make red bull I can grab a couple no, of Red sleep. Bulls, grab some we sorcery decks. freaking Flesh and Blood at 2 a.m. last night. Go to bed. <laughs> we don't play Flesh and Blood at... Shh, don't tell people oh, that that's anymore. That's top secret. We can't. We can't, we can't, we can't, we can't yeah, we don't. Yeah, but people know that we play Flesh and Blood still. Okay. We're also still on the Wolfpack, right? So is that also top secret? Well, the Wolfpack's now a sorcery testing Wolfpack. team. So I, I've talked to Zach about what? this because we're converting... <laughs> What about the other 15 members that did not sign up to play Sorcery? Well, they're going to have to find a new pack if they don't want to play Sorcery. 
Yeah. They should have thought about that before mm-hmm. they didn't want to play sorcery. The Wolfpack's not okay. like a flesh and blood related team name, you know? They can easily transition to sorcery at any time. Zach following his And own the Wolfpack's for life. So if we transition to sorcery, everybody has to go, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, Sorry, the, that's the rules. Mm-hmm. Sorry, all you Wolfpack guys. I know you had some good upcoming flesh and blood careers, but it's time to shift. Yeah, Brody might not even be old enough to play sorcery. Can he play? Can he play cards with boobies on them? Is Brody Spurlock legally allowed to have clamor of harpies in his possession? Oh, on that note, (laughs) thanks everybody for listening. Remember when you're looking at all three people that I'm sure made it through this podcast. I'm sure nobody has listened to this anymore. We've tanked our whole channel. You know what? I had a good time. I believe if you if you made it to the end, leave us a comment because I I believe say at least just write banana somewhere in your comment. If you put put banana somewhere in your comment, we'll know that you're a true fan and we'll love you forever. Yeah. We really appreciate you. If you put bananas in the comments. Yeah. Go bananas. That's for sure. Well, with that being said, the next time you are going bananas, always remember mind your manners. Thanks for watching.